0: Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey everyone, Amy here. Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher weekly call. Hope you're all fabulous. Today's topic is brought to us by Jenny Wren. Jenny sent me a message asking about how to include storytelling in your uh, class planning, which I Love this topic. I also thought it was interesting because I just taught a workshop, um, on this topic. Uh, Sorry, I just taught a workshop using this idea on the weekend. So it's like, I've already done the homework. So thanks, Jenny. Jenny says, Hi, Amy. I was wondering if you have a podcast on storytelling or do you know of someone who does? I have been looking for a course on how to do storytelling for my yoga classes. I love the classes where folklore comes into the class and you start to reflect on life. I find it can bring one to a greater understanding about life or maybe put it into perspective. Thanks, Jenny. Cool. So we're going to have a conversation today. Well. I always say that, but it's a little bit of a one-sided conversation uh, about how to include mythology and storytelling into your classes. So Jenny and everybody who's interested in this topic, what I'm going to do is obviously run you through how I do it and uh, take take what serves and leave what doesn't. I wouldn't suggest for a moment that I'm an expert on this topic But I am crazy nerdy about storytelling, um, both from a yoga perspective and also as a a fiction writer, former fiction writer. And so uh, writing, storytelling and the power of narrative and uh, mythology, folklore, archetypes is just something that interests me personally. And so I do this a lot, uh, particularly when I'm teaching some kind of special event Class, for example, the yoga on my retreats. I normally weave in storytelling and certainly uh, workshops, and uh, any time, like over the weekend, when I'm teaching at a festival for some kind of special event, uh, I like to use storytelling. So what I'll what I've planned out for us today is that I'll take you through my process on how I do it. Now, importantly, because I am basing the content of the podcast today on my process. It's important to consider that, um, that in fact, uh, the type of st- the style of yoga that I teach, because you know, this will be more applicable to some styles than others. For example, if you teach a set style, um, 26 plus two or whatever, this is not going to be doable for you. Uh, similarly, the format that I tend to use, um, if you do a really sophisticated, um, integrated 60 minute flow, you may not resonate with the process that I'm going to suggest because it does involve a bit of stop and starting, which I think you can do, um, I suggest you do it intentionally and I think you can definitely do it um, within the flow system, but that might be something to be mindful of if you're teaching a yin or a restorative where you teach far fewer poses, long holds, and they already tend to have more of a contemplative uh, nature to them, then again, the way that I'm suggesting you structure a class won't be as applicable to that style, but certainly much of the teaching that I have here in my notebook uh, will support you. If you're looking to incorporate more mythology and storytelling into your classes. Got to tell you what's actually going on here. Cause I know you can't see this. My dog, uh, has decided to lie down on my notebook. Yeah. I know you want attention, but I need to read my notes. What is it? It's like, you know, dogs or I don't know if cats do this the same rabbits. Hey Laura. Um, like sitting on your sticky mat my dog just loves to get on my sticky mat when I get on my sticky mat. And he likes to stand behind me, which means it's much more likely that I'm going to knock into him in the middle of a jump back. Get off. Okay. So if you hear some paper shuffling around, it's because Steve and I having a little trying to be quiet dispute about who's getting enough attention. Moving on. So why is it that like Jenny says, we can find resonance in storytelling. What is it about stories that gives us the opportunity for self-reflection or contemplation? Why is it that a uh, well-crafted and then a well-delivered story in a yoga class can be a powerful opportunity to gain insight and perspective? Well, the reason that that is the case is because, the types of stories that, that we're talking about, and if we're talking about, you know, Indian folklore, if we're talking about the Puranic period, um, the, the, the 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 anything out of the Mahabharata, the Ramayana, these sort of mythological stories, the reason that they resonate with us so strongly is because they are archetypical, because they tell um, in somewhat, sometimes, sort of fanciful fashion, but they tell basic. Truths about human nature, and that's why they resonate with us. We've all had a heart, had our hearts broken. We've all lost a loved one. We've all overcome adversity. We've all dealt with uh, an insecurity or or some kind of um, you know a metaphorical disfigurement. And these 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 um, we've all overcome some personal shortfall. Um to lesser or larger degrees we 've all lost everything or gained everything. These are typical um, human real life people kind of narrative arcs, and that 's that they also form the foundation for so many of in fact I would suggest all of the most famous stories of mythology because of that, because they are, they are um, stories that reflect our own lived experience. And that's what makes them so powerful because we can see ourselves or feel ourselves in the roles of the characters of the stories. It's really powerful stuff. And maybe, you know, hit me up on Insta if you, if we, if you want to do more of this type of content because I really am very passionate about this topic specifically and it's why I wrote that writing from the heart short course because using this type of storytelling when you're looking at those uh, archetypical um, character arcs is incredibly um, incredibly motivating and inspiring for your reader and so that's why I suggest that storytelling is in fact an incredibly powerful way to craft emails for your mailing list and your social media content. If you approach how you write as a storyteller the efficacy of your copy will wildly increase. It's very very powerful. So Like Jenny says, not only is it powerful in the written word when you're looking to create influential and inspiring copy, it's definitely an incredible storehouse for theming of your yoga classes. And so here uh, I want to start to break down my process and how I formulate um, my classes in a way that syncs up with blending a story throughout a class. I remember being with Darren Rhodes, um, just, I don't know what it would have been 2013 or 20, no maybe. Um, and back then the tradition that I was sort of coming out of a big part of what you had to do, had to learn how to do it. And then you had to do it uh, as part of being part of that tradition was to, um, share a story or share some kind of yoga philosophy as the theme of your class. And, um, which was one of the reasons why I fell in love with that tradition. And I remember Darren saying that sometimes it can be like the philosophy sandwich. You get a bit at the start, you do your yoga, then you get a bit at the end. And that's a very heavy handed way of bringing storytelling into your, uh, into your class. Once there was a prince and he had a wife and she got stolen by a demon. And then you do 55 minutes of yoga. And then you say, And then a monkey who had a broken jaw flew to Sri Lanka and saved her. (laughs) Ta-da! Underwhelming. Powerful story. Underwhelming delivery. So there definitely is an art form so that you don't end up with like the storytelling sandwich. How do you weave this through your class without doing that thing that drives me freaking wild? I.e. talking the whole time. Okay just, I want to give you a visual of what's about to happen. I'm going to take a sidebar to talk about another issue, and then we're going to come right back to the content. So here we go. Breakout box sidebar. On the weekend, I went to a bunch of yoga classes as part of the yoga festival, where I taught my class about, uh, and, um, the, the good classes. I had a nice time, whatever. Um, But one of the teachers, she was good. She, her cueing was really clear. She was, she blended philosophy into the class. But the one thing she didn't do was shut up. Not once. I think there was, she had a really nice playlist. We're in a beautiful room. I was just barving up. She was asking really great contemplative questions, but she talked the whole time, the whole time And I think it's important that if you're going to ask a contemplative question, if you're going to provide your student with the opportunity for Svadhyaya in your class, you need to give them time to do it. I really wanted to play with these, these, these questions that she was doling out and she'd just throw on the next one. And then on the next one, and then she'd say things like breathe in and then breathe out. Now, I don't know about you, but I presume that my students, like this is when we're in Shavasana, I presume that my students have a level of pre-existing knowledge when they come to my class, i.e. they know to breathe in and then to breathe out and then to breathe in again and then to keep on going. I figure they've got that handled. I don't want to be told to keep breathing in Shavasana. Like if you if you have to tell people to keep breathing in Shavasana, you've got bigger problems in your class, <laughs> like corpse pose for real. This, So I just wanted to make the point that it really came home to me over the weekend about the power of shutting up, the power of shutting up, of keeping your mouth closed. And this gets to be a learning edge for you if you're new and you know that being nervous means you talk more. Or if you're not saying something, you're not teaching. Or if you're not always cuing everything, um, you're not giving value. Just notice if you have that tendency to be uncomfortable with silence and see if you can play in that space a bit more, because I was so thirsty for it in this class. In the end, I blocked my ears in shavasana, like I felt, because I just wanted to really absorb the teaching she'd given me, and I couldn't because she was yap 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 the whole time, the whole time, um, and I was really agitated because what she'd given me I couldn't receive. So a little sidebar on. The importance of letting your students have space to absorb what it is that you're sharing. And this really is important when we're talking about the topic of this week, which is how do you bring mythology and storytelling into your classes? If you're going to give people something powerful to consider, to feel into, to play with, give them time to do it within the class container, i.e., stop talking. Okay, cool. Now we're going from the visual, we're going from the sidebar back into the body copy. All right, so here we go. So then so let's start with how the hell do you know what story to choose? Uh, well, obviously there are Gasquillions, and um, what you don't want to do is... Pick something that is too complicated that you have to spend so much time talking about it. I remember being at a, a workshop with my teacher and, um, it must've been a, it must've been a, at least a weekend thing because, um, as fully engrossed as we were, it took him the, an hour of the class to set up the story. We were still sitting on the, hadn't done anything. He was just front loading the story and I was loving it because I'm a big old nerd for it. <laughs> And then he was kind of lost in it because he was, you know, whatever. And then at the end of the hour, he said, oh, and a teaching note, never take an hour to introduce your theme, which I thought was super fun. So just be mindful, unless of course you want to talk for an hour on your story and that's what you've told people they'll be getting. If people are coming for yoga asana, make sure that the story that you've chosen is not too complex that you need a whole bunch of front loading. I also think that It's important when you choose your story to be culturally aware and if appropriate to again, front load the idea that depending on the story that you've chosen, these get to be archetypes rather than deities in some environments. It's not okay to talk about God, this God and that God and this goddess and whatever, but rather to introduce these ideas, um, you, you know, depending on where you live and the religion of the people who come and all of those good things, Just to be mindful of that, particularly if you're traveling and if you're in a country different to your own and you might not know, you can just check in with, say, the studio owner that you're hiring from. What's the vibe here? Do I talk about this in terms of archetypes? Is it appropriate to talk, you know, just just gauge that and be culturally sensitive. Um, Again, that's just from uh, me having done a lot of my yoga teacher training in a a Muslim country, for example. Um, Just not being heavy-handed with the presumption of palatability of bhakti, really. Okay, so if we got those sort of constraints, make sure that you're not, um, uh, you know, being culturally sensitive. So another example is not necessarily just spiritual traditions and religions. Um, I, I, Clangor for Amy, epic fail, but too late, did it anyway, uh, was, I, was a, a class about, Purification of fire uh, in a bushfire recovery area, not my finest moment, so just be mindful about um, you know there, there are stories that are violent there are stories there where there is sexual uh, assault um, you know one of my favorite stories is is Drabadi and the uh, the drabadi teaching about abundance and the sari that could never be depleted, and what that teaches us about our own inherent capacity when we trust in God. And essentially it's a sexual assault story. So do be mindful when you're looking at these, um, old stories that the cultural context has shifted and you need to be sensitive to that. Um, okay, cool. So think about the length, think about the complexity, think about culturally, what's culturally appropriate or not. Um, and then then also the last one that i think when you're choosing the story that you want to use don't be boring actually i've got an extra one don't be boring like there are so many things that you could choose from you're never going to run out of material don't pick the thing that everybody picks you know like probably what's an example of something that everybody picks i don't know like maybe don't pick ganesha getting his head cut off or maybe don't pick um I don't know, like Lakshmi getting churned out of the Milky Ocean. I don't know. If you've never heard of those things, chances are your students haven't either teach them. But if you have, test yourself, find something else more interesting. Um, and the final point is when you're choosing your story, it needs to have a narrative arc. It needs to have Um, it needs to have a narrative arc. That's one of the things that makes them relatable, taking us on a journey, starting somewhere and going to somewhere else. So the basic uh, character arcs are, um, the hero's quest, right? Uh, 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 Embarking, leaving town, going out on a mission, slaying the dragon, getting the gold, whatever, coming back, or a stranger comes to town. Someone new comes, comes into town and it throws everything asunder these are the basic sort of two narrative arcs. Oh, sorry. Then there's also like the romantic ones, like boy meets girl, boy boy gets girl, girl gets rid of whatever, those kind of things. Um, They're some of the basic narrative arcs. You want to make sure that the story that you're going to tell goes somewhere. So for example, the story that I used uh, in my class on Saturday was a tiny portion from the Ramayana where um, the monkeys and Ram and Lakshman are on Lanka fighting with Ravana and uh, all of the Asuras um, and to, over Sita and um, Lakshman is mortally wounded by Ravana's son and uh, Hanuman has to tap his Ashtasiddhis, his eight magical powers. Uh, to leap from Lanka back to northern India to find the life-saving herb in the Himalaya. Uh, of course, he gets to the mountain. He can't tell which herb is the right herb. So he picks up, again, using his Ashtasiddhis, his magical strength, he picks up the entire mountain and flies back to Lanka so that they can get the herb and save Lakshman's life. So you can see here, it has a whole arc, right? Tragedy happens. The The hero of this particular story, Hanuman, makes this giant effort, gets the, achieves the purpose of the quest and returns home to save the day. It goes somewhere. It's not an anecdote. There was, this, there was this God and he fell out of the clouds and he broke his jaw and that's how he got the name Hanuman. That's not a story. That's an anecdote. People can't identify with that. So make sure that the story that you choose has some kind of narrative arc. It goes somewhere. It takes people on a, on a trajectory. Okay, so then once you have that sort of stuff figured out, essentially, once you've picked your story, the next this is how i uh, um that's obviously your pre work now this is how I'm gonna move into talking about how I blend the story into the into the class itself so for me, my classes start with um some very little warm ups just to get the body prepared to sit, so maybe some lateral side bends, maybe some seated twists, maybe uh child's pose and down dog just a couple of minutes simply to get the body warm enough to sit then we sit um uh, I'll chant the invok an invocation we'll do some a little bit of pranayama and then it's at that point somewhere in that Section in the introductory section where I'll launch the theme. I'll explain the story and I'll start to seed what the story is about. Now I'm not going to tell the whole story then because you'll end up, you know, with the whole class gone. Uh, But you do want to give people a sense of the character and of what the underlying theme will be. So the this is this is important to remember too because you can um, you can pick a story and then you can choose to select from that story, different themes um, depending on what it is that you want to give to your students. So again, if we think about the story, I just talked about with Hanuman getting the, um, the herb for Lakshman, the theme that I, excuse me, that I used on Saturday was how you can overcome adversity when you're driven from the power of your heart. So, um, Hanuman was, you know, Ramadasa, he was a servant of Ram. Um he was um side note Vaishnavite Shaivite much. Anyway, DM me if you want to know more about that. Anyway, he um he could he had these magical powers but he could only access them when he was in the service of others. He couldn't just get really big or get really strong or get really small um without somehow being driven by his uh devotion to Ram by his by his Dharma to be the servant of Ram. So my the theme that I picked out of the story was you can do anything when you're really driven from that place of devotion and love. Now I could have told exactly the same story and I could have used the theme of um you're bigger and stronger than you think you are, for example. Or um how to be the hero in your own life or, uh, just, shit, I don't know, you could teach, there's a whole thing in from an Ayurvedic perspective about that herb, does it really exist? You know, there's also this research about that herb. Is it real? Um, lots of funding going into it. That you could talk about all of that sort of stuff. Uh, so it depends what you want the theme to be. Get clear on your theme. But that's what you seed. You tell a little portion of the story, the introduction to the story, and you seed the theme at the beginning of your class. Then what I recommend you do is you, um, break your story down into mini little chapters. So little subsets of the, of little, uh, sorry, break it down into plot points is the best way for Amy to try and be coherent on a Monday, break down the plot points and bear in mind that in say in a one hour class, you've probably got time for four, five plot points If your story is more complicated than that, you're really going to rush it and you may end up talking too much and not giving people the time that they want and desire, crave, to really tune in and resonate with what it is that you're sharing. So break your story down into plot points for my story. Excuse me. The plot points are uh, the setup. So there's a war and here's who the good guys are and here's who the bad guys are. The next one was um, uh, Lakshman Wounded. Uh, Hanuman leaping to the Himalaya, Hanuman flying back with the mountain, Hanuman saving the day. Five. Overcoming the adversity because driven from the heart space. That's it. That's my five plot points. So from there, for me, what I then do is think about how I can come up with five portions of asana class so that at the you know in between each sort of portion, that's when I can ins- that's when I can create a stillness moment to tell a bit more story. Now a stillness moment doesn't have to be shavasana. It could be they're in down dog. They're in a long hold ustrasana or udkatasana if you're looking to make the point about challenge or tapasya or um I don't know, any type of overcoming theme, get them to hold something that's challenging. It could be Tadasana. I think a couple of mine were exactly that. Uh, um, it was a very mixed level class. It became readily apparent that about three of the 40 people in the class could actually do <laughs> what I planned. So it was appropriate that those rest poses were come to Tadasana, mountain pose, put your hands on your heart and breathe. When they were there, they were there for maybe... 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute. And I would give them the next installment of the story, right? So breaking your asana up into sections so that you've got a delivery point to keep on storytelling. If you, if your classes, uh, like if you're teaching yin or restorative, then you don't need to do this quite so much because people are in a long hold. You can get them all set up, leave them there for five minutes and tell a story. Not so much of a big deal, But if you need to continually keep queuing, obviously you need to tell people what to do with their bodies and you can't be freed up to be storytelling at the same time. People will get dizzy and you'll definitely be out of breath. So thinking about breaking your asana up into portions so that there is a stillness point between each portion where you can share the next plot point. Now, this doesn't have to be really clunky. we will do two Soraya A, then we'll lie down and I'll tell a story. Then we'll do two Soraya B, then we'll lie down and I'll tell a story better that it feels seamless to your students. They're simply aware that while they're uh, breathing and, you know, settling in from whatever they've just done, they're being washed with beautiful mythology from you. And then they're moving again and they're going into the next um, portion of the class. But that's how I would do it. Intentionally create a pause where you can do storytelling because you don't have to cue the next thing. You're not, you don't want to be trying to tell a story while you're teaching some really complex vinyasa uh, flow and getting yourself all discombobulated. Now, when I say a pause, again, or a stillness point, it doesn't necessarily mean that the students have to be still. It just means that you don't have to be cueing whatever it is that they are doing. So, for example, they could be doing cat-cow. You tell them that once, they can keep on doing that. While well, you tell them something else, it might be um, Navasana, Ada Navasana, right? Just work in the abs. Um, so they're dynamic, but they're, but you don't have to keep teaching it. They know what to do. You can say something else. Just being, look at break your story down into plot points. And then when you're planning out your sequence, make sure that there are enough breaks for you in your queuing to be able to share each of those plot points. Okay. So that's what I, uh, recommend there. Then what I would, then I guess to finish it out really is, um, okay. So you've told a great story. People have had a nice time, but so what really, how do you bring it home? So that like Jenny said in her Facebook message to me, so that, um, it can resonate with people or they can start to Consider what that means for them in their own lives. Now this again is a style choice, so it's really going to depend on what works for you. but make sure that if you are going to then uh, offer a contemplative um, opportunity uh, and and active, uh, actively invite people to seek resonance. With the, with the story that you've shared, you need to enable space for that. You don't want to throw that out there and then say, okay, go home and journal on that, like include it in part of your class because everybody is in the zone. It's the path of the practice when you're all together, when they're more open, they're more available for that type of self-reflection. Make sure that in your sequencing you've, in, you've provided time for you and them to pose and reflect on how that story actually uh, is pertinent to them in their own lives. So, as I said, this depends on how you teach and what it is that you do, but it could be seated meditation. It could be um shavasana. It could be if you're in a workshop environment, group sharing. Uh it could be if you're in a mini retreat or, or a retreat environment, journaling. But do make sure that you give people the time. You're not just throwing it out there, and then, you know, leaving it with them. It's like um, <laughs> I don't know what it's like. The other a few weeks ago, I went out to dinner with my with my auntie and her family, and apparently that it was their local. And apparently, the guy who work who owns the pub, he um. He likes to come round very. He's very efficient with collecting the glasses, uh, to the point where you could still have a mouthful left of your wine, and he'll come and scoop the glass up because he, you know, wants to keep the place nice and he wants you back at the bar buying another glass. And my auntie got so pissed off. Um, I mean, kind of. No, not kind of. She got really pissed off, and then she realized that she'd got really pissed off, and she went back to a oh, nice person. But in that moment, you know, that little bit of wine and she was really looking forward to savoring that last bit of wine and it was snatched away from her. You don't want that to happen to people in your yoga class. You don't want to snatch that that little last piece that they were looking to savour, i.e., what about me and Sita? Is You know, what do we have in common or where am I overcoming challenges in my life or where could I be a better friend to somebody in that beautiful golden opportunity to do the reflection. You don't want to snatch that away. So make sure when you are putting mythology and storytelling into your classes, you're giving people the time to do the what's in this for me. You've taken them on a journey. They've connected with it because that's what happens with archetypes. The science on this stuff is fascinating. If you want to geek out on it, hit me up you want them to then have the opportunity to really um, assimilate what they've got into their own life. So make sure that you do that. Now that doesn't mean that it has to be a 10 minute Shavasana or you need to, I don't know, like give people some kind of like group therapy thing. It could simply be uh, one of the ways I like to do it is I like to get people to do um, sort of forward folds. Or uh, we did like Danda Pranam on the weekend. We did that twice, um, with the idea of like being the uh, servant to your own heart space. So people are prone on the floor with their arms extended, that they're, they're 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 primed for introspection. Right? They're they're already looking within. Um, a really gentle, slightly bent knees Paschimottanasana. Another great pose. People are. Um, curled in. I don't like to do the big, think about this big picture thing when people are in Shavasana because they're very exposed. Uh, you know, the the whole front body is open and vulnerable and I don't feel, this is just me and my own embodied experience. I feel that doing some of that contemplative work, I want to feel a little bit more contained. So child's pose, even down dog, but forward bends, I think are a really beautiful way, just a slightly longer hold in a forward bend. Or even we did this also on Saturday when I, when we came out of Shavasana, I invited them to stay, you know, uh, we do the, you know, fingers and toes, head side to side, stretch, draw in, roll to the right. And then we stayed there sort of in that little fetal thing. Um, for longer than just a transition, not minutes, but longer than just a a transition through to sitting. So that again, in that curled in pose, that uh, physical form, I feel that physical form lends itself to uh, introspection, to Svadhyaya, to the the curled in self-nurturing kind of safety of digging out some stuff that might've bubbled up through the class. So that's what I would say just about finishing off. And then again, I would make it at the very end of the class, if you chant Om or Shreem or whatever you do at the end of the class, um, whatever Kundalini folks doing your chant, whatever um, that you, before you do that or whatever you do to complete before you do that, you just uh, tie off the loose ends by really bringing home the, 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 the teaching. So, (laughs) so, um, you would just reiterate the point and then you could extend an invitation for people to consider this during their day or give them some sort of homework. If that's your style, like, um, maybe over the course of the day, simply be more aware of your own gratitude, you know, these sorts of things. Um, you could do that at the end, but tying it back into the class. Okay. Again, I have to tell you just, what's going on here behind the scenes We I've like two bats that live in the wall here. And they normally only, only, and my dog is terrified of their bat sound. And they normally only only make the bat sound at dusk, but they're bat sounding in the afternoon. So we have some disquiet on the dog safety front. It's okay, Pip. Who knew there'd be all of this dog stuff in the podcast. I don't know if you can hear those bats. (laughs) Things you don't think you're going to have to learn when you become a yoga teacher, how to deal with bats in the wall. Okay. So thanks Jenny. Um, before I finish up on this topic, one more thing, because I know people are going to ask me this, Amy, how do you know about all the stories? How do you find out about all the stories? How, where do you go? What books, Amy, what books? Okay, before you send me the what books, Amy, what books, Insta message, and you can still send me those. I love, you know, I love hearing from everybody. Um, one, you've got to read a lot. Read a lot of books. Read a lot of books because you love it. Read a lot of books that, um, you know, read a lot of books. You might not even think these are the books to read, but I. you all know that I listen to Autobiography of a Yogi pretty much on repeat. There's so much in just that book of stories, nuts. Um read uh read all of Devdutt Patnaik's books because he's amazing. Um read the, the the iskon books. They've got great books about uh Krishna and his exploits. Um definitely read a bunch, read a bunch. Study with great teachers. So there are teachers who are really, really good at this, who really um really do a beautiful job of incorporating mythology into their stories. I think, sorry, into their classes. My teacher, Noah Marze, he's one. I think Sienna Sherman does a great job um, that's biased towards my lineage. I'd love to hear uh, from other people who they recommend. But make sure that you're getting yourself in front of people who are significantly better than you at teaching. Not because you're not great, but because it's really important that we um, learn from people you know, learn from, from our, from our seniors, from our, from authorities in our, in our lineage. So make a point that some of your professional development is not doing yet another mini teacher training, but it's actually going to classes with people who are way better than you. Uh, and a fest- festival is a great way to do that. Maybe not the small ones in Australia, but definitely, you know, other places you can get in front of a whole bunch of people um, in a quick, in you know, a quick way and, and deep, go go deep. It's great. And then, Um, last tip, like Amy, where do you get your stories from? Uh, Google, Google, honey, Google, Wikipedia. Here's what, here's my, here's one hack, right? Google, uh, and then go down the Wikipedia rabbit hole for gods that you didn't even know existed or characters you never even knew about. Wiki the hell out of that. Then this is really cool, then what you then you 'll go into the next rabbit hole, which is like watching Indian youtubes for real. There are so many youtubes of cartoons of mythology made for kids in India, which is pretty much perfect for me, uh, obviously you know go, unless you speak Indian languages, <laughs> look for ones in English, but that 's a great place to go too. Uh, Wikipedia, Google, get on YouTube and like search for those uh teeny tiny stories. And then what I'd also say is, um, again another hack for me is having the Mahabharata and the Ramayana on audiobook, uh, and the Gita actually in a different edition on in as audiobooks, and just listening to them. Um, you know maybe once or twice a year they all get a go through, and uh take little notes when you, when you hear things like, I want to teach a workshop on um, Kumbhaka and what that means and who that character was and why it's important. And like a whole big Pranayama thing, just about Kumbhaka. In fact, I'm teaching a workshop, a full day workshop just on yoga and storytelling. Um, Thanks Jenny. I didn't even, I don't know if you knew about that Jenny, or if that was just serendipity. Anyway, uh, I I think the first weekend of April looking at exactly those things, who are these, these micro stories within the much bigger story. So while you're listening to things like the Mahabharata, you know, if you've got a long-haul drive or a long-haul flight, listen to it and just have your journal. And every time a character comes up or a cute little anecdote, just make a note. And then when it's time to find a story and you're looking for something that's going to resonate with the theme that you're looking to um, foster, go on the, get into Wikipedia and see who does what. Um, and there you have it there you have it. Great starting point. Great starting point. Um, okay. So there, that's everything from me, uh, and Stevie and the bats today. Thanks to Jenny for sending through this topic. Um, I love having those topic suggestions, so keep them coming. Um, really, uh, helps me make sure that what I'm sharing is as useful as possible. And you can just send those to me at Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz coach. Uh, I've got a couple of public service announcements that I want to run you through. Um, the first one is very, very tentative. In fact, it just kind of happened today. Uh, Louise Kelly, who has Surfside Tribe in Monvale, uh, and I were, uh, thanks to uh, Monique Beaver, uh, hooked into a conversation that was happening in the Sydney yoga teachers Facebook group about, can you even make money as a yoga teacher? You all know that, uh, my answer to that is yes. And a lot of it and feel great about it at the same time. Anyway. So we all got to talking and, um, Louise offered her a beautiful studio space, um, to run a workshop and I'm going to be heading back down the coast. Uh, on the 31st of March. So I'm thinking that um, it might be a beautiful time to do like a small in-person mastermind. Um, Totally not settled on any of the details yet, but really uh, what I'm thinking is I don't know, six people maybe, um, where it's group coaching. Everybody gets a turn at receiving coaching from me. Everybody gets to learn from each other. We go have some beautiful food together, maybe 10 till four, 10 till three, um, in Mona Vale. So if you, and that would be a Tuesday, Tuesday, the 31st of March, that's about as much as I've got so far. I, I don't even know how much it would cost. Maybe like, I don't know, we're doing this for fun. Like, 150, I don't know. But um, if you are interested in that, if you want to just let me know and I'll see who's interested and what it looks like and take it further if there's enough interest. So uh, Mona Vale on the 31st of March, that's Sydney folks. Um, If you want to come along to that, send me a message on Insta. And don't feel like if you say I'm interested, you have to, you're then obliged. This is a very rough and ready Should we do this or not? I'll be driving through Louise's fabulous. Let's have some fun and nerd out about your business. Um, The other thing is the, this month, um, two courses are open for registrations. They're both, the registrations close at the end of the month. So the first one is I'm doing social media confidence for yoga teachers again. This will be the third time that I've done it. And every time I forget how much fun I have when I teach it and people really love it. So if you are ready to get confident with your socials, or if you hate social media and you, every time I talk about it, you like, Oh God, I know she's probably right, but I don't want to. Um, Do this course. There are a lot of other people who felt like that and uh, are now, in fact, enjoying it. I love it when people send me these messages saying, you know, Amy, I thought I would get a little bit better at this, but I never thought I would actually enjoy it. And now I do. I love you all so much. Who knew that it could be fun, that there is a way to do this that makes you feel good and help people? Yes. If you would like to feel like that about social media too, let alone like make more money have a bigger impact, uh, get in on this course. Um, we start at the end of the month. Uh, it's 197 Australian dollars, which is a sweet deal. Uh, the link is amymcdonald.com.au forward slash social. And the other course that is currently open for registrations is Facebook ads know-how for yoga teachers. Whoop, woop, brand new. I'm a little bit nervous about it because every time I do some Facebook training, people go a little crazy. Uh, So I'm going to keep the numbers down on that one so that I don't uh, lose my whole life answering everybody's questions. (laughs) But if you want to learn how to do Facebook ads, feel powerful with it, not freaked out. Um, And then not just make the ads, but create audiences, look at your data, get a sense of Is how much you're spending the right amount? How can you spend less and get better results? Retargeting, pixels, business manager, all of that sort of stuff. If you actually want to use the power of Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising to call in beautiful new students for your business, and all you've done before is boost, or you don't know what the difference between boosting and ads are, or you've run some ads but you've felt a bit um, disenfranchised with the spend versus the return, or if you're pretty good at running a basic ad but you want to get better, all of those things we're going to cover again. It's a four week course starts the first week of April every week for four weeks. Uh, you can find out all about that at amymacdonald.com.au forward slash Facebook ads. Um, yeah, both of those courses. that one's 297 AUD, $297 Australian dollars. And um, which is again, it's a bloody sweet deal. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, so get in on them if you want to, uh, that's everything for me. I think folks, um, yeah, always, always, always grateful to all of you for listening in and sharing this podcast and telling your friends to listen and giving me feedback. Um, I do try and make these, you may not know, but I do try and make these useful, even though inevitably we end up talking about, uh, bats and dogs. Are what I end up talking about bats and dogs. No dating anecdotes though this week. Look at this. Professional. I'm going to get complaints from some of you. <laughs> All right, everyone. Till next time. Bye.